Welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays by the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on supply trends, category updates, brand awareness, and what's hot in the market. Join us each week from San Francisco Bay, California, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Dan, the Produce Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays on this lovely, lovely Friday in February. I'm Dan, the Produce Man, and today's Fresh from the Field Fridays is brought to you by the Produce Industry Podcast and sponsored by Buck, Naked Onions, Equifruit, the only banana you should buy, Dole Fruit Company, and Sunrays, the snack with impact. Hey folks, it's a lovely, lovely day here in the San Francisco Bay, and it is a great time of the year. It's definitely citrus time, and we're having a blast in the produce world. And today, joining me from Homegrown Organics and Buck Brand Citrus is Craig Morris and Scott Mabs. Gentlemen, welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Why don't we start out explaining to folks homegrown organics and what it's all about. Scott, take it away. Yeah, you bet. No, homegrown uh, organics, uh, maybe just to give a tiny bit of history on it, started uh, back in uh, 1989 was the first kind of John France, the founder, um, transitioned his first ranch to organic, and it was citrus. So he... uh, Back in the days when it was uh, not a maybe not quite as popular as it is, is today, but he uh, went down that path and uh, really focused on soil health and wanting to do things differently than just putting chemicals on his on his ranches. And so that was kind of the the first foray into uh, into organic and and starting that back in the late '80s. You know, it grew from there. There was a lot of other things that happened. I won't go into too much detail there, but it continued to grow. And uh, citrus has always been a huge foundation of what we've done. Uh, We do some other items too. We do blueberries and stone fruit, grapes, uh, you know, other items. But citrus has been always been a real foundation to what we do. And kind of one major change that we had that I'll just mention the last couple of years is that we actually transitioned into being an employee-owned company. So the the founders of the companies, uh, we have a farming company that's part of us, and then also the the sales and marketing and packing operations. And two years ago, the ownership uh, sold the companies to the employees. So we are an official ESOP now, which is very exciting for all of us and all of our our team members. Wow, that's great. You know, organics have had a long, hard road to get to where it is today. There's generations of people now who don't even know the the beginnings of the organic, I guess, movement, for lack of a better word, from, you know, early 70s when you would be getting the ugliest stuff and just a few people would be handling it. And But folks persisted and growers stayed in there and hung in there. Some came and went and some purveyors came and went as well. And today, organics is mainstream into you know your biggest supermarket chains it's no longer a uh, niche part of the industry but it has been a uh, the beginning wasn't all a bed of roses i guess i should say no, there was a there was a lot of trial and error because uh, there wasn't a, a book that told you how to do it. It was a uh, right. It was oh well, let's try this and see if this works. And um, it was it, it there was a lot of mistakes made, but um, you know uh, 
growers um, uh, were some of the most uh, resilient people I, I would say on the earth. So uh, we, you know, we'll try it. We'll and then we'll hope for the next season that it'll be better. There you go. That's perfect. And that leads us to Craig Morris, who uh, handles the citrus of homegrown organics, Buck Brand. Mm-hmm. Citrus is that because there's a lot of uh, deer on the land? Yeah, at one it is? time there might have been, and we had a lot of elk and antelope as well. But it's definitely a different landscape than it was a hundred years ago. It's kind of interesting you made that call out about about the growth of the category, and and it has come from a niche to now it's sexy and it's in Kroger right now. And so it's uh, we've seen that evolution over the last thirty years or so. And I I had a call one day with the original founder John France. He called me and said I had no idea that we would be selling loads of organic customer uh, product to one customer. And he was just beside himself. I, he said, I, I envisioned this. I truly believe there was a better way. And that's why he went down this path. He said, I, I could not envision this being real. Because uh, at that time, when it was first started, it was in your distributors. Um, they definitely had a different uh, distribution model. It was not direct business for the most part. And you went to a lot of people that specialized into uh, more urban areas that understood organics and had a passion for it. And then we've seen this go to now we're sending organic products into the Midwest that you never you never thought it would have a space for it. And so it's it's been a lot of fun. And I think what's been really key is that we were such a foundational piece of it when it wasn't cool. And now that it's cool, we're correctly positioned to to ride the wave. And, it, and it's been a, a lot of fun, but with its own challenges. You know, that's got to be just indescribable feeling. Mm-hmm for the founder, John, to experience the growth of this company like you had stated. And just the growth of uh, the excitement over the items. I was looking on your site here. You've got something called a tea orange lemon. You've got lavender, tangelos, lulu navel oranges, Captain Shattuck pomelos. (laughs) I think that's what it was called. (laughs) Or African Shattuck pomelos. And all this is really, really, to me, is, you know, I know it's an old-fashioned word, but this is all really groovy fruit. There's uh, items here that aren't widely grown that folks have the opportunity to experience. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some of these items aren't as, maybe you don't have a lot of trees of this one or that one, but when they're out there, the, the time to experience them, the window to experience them is probably, what, January, February? Um, I bought the African Shattuck last month. I don't even know if you still have them. Uh, no, they're they're wrapped up now. And I think what's interesting about it, and it's, Scott and I are a, a kind of the prime example of old dogs learning new tricks. Um, my family goes back in the citrus industry into the 50s, and Scott, you'll probably go back to the 20s and 30s. A lot of generational farmers from our uh, legacy. And we kind of, you come into this, this space and you, you kind of think, you know, what you're doing and you and you've been experienced to a lot and you, you're pretty confident that you know what's going on out there and when the opportunity came about with the uh, the buck brand program several years ago i think we both blinked and, and realized how much we didn't know and the varieties that we didn't even know existed and it was very strange you, most consumers and you know like you called out the tarange african shadak uh the finger limes there are just so many funky niche varietals that you didn't even know existed maybe in a book somewhere, but you didn't know they were commercially planted. So it's been a re-education product for ourselves. It's been a lot of fun. I could imagine. Yeah, Dan, I was just going to say, you you know, you mentioned the word experience. And I think that, that that is a good description of the Buck Brand program. You're going to engage in Buck Brand to have an experience in the sense that it's not something that you can, that exists out there in the normal world of citrus. And um, it's really a, a special 
thing to to have available to people because you know otherwise all people know is an orange a mandarin a lemon and a grapefruit you know those are the basic items and to be able to experience all this other you know variation of citrus it's really a gift i mean it's just a, a, a special program in that way wow a gift that hits it right on the head so these varieties as you stated you're not going to find these in your massive gigantic grocery chains because one there just isn't enough i bought these in a local produce market uh here well they're it's a pretty big produce market i i bought some at berkeley bowl and at monterey market and those are big stores here in the in the bay area the east bay where i live they had nice large displays of the shaddocks and the pomelos and the i guess uh, i pronounced the tea orange wrong tarange huh is that what's that <laughs> as far as we know Dan. i'll remember that tarange <laughs> Well, okay, let's 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 just talk about some of these varieties. What is the tarange? What exactly is it? Yeah, you, you know, most of these things are are pieces that have that have been, uh, uh, you know, when you look back, it's kind of like, okay, what well, what is a uh, trifoliate rootstock? Uh, oh. The you know that you know is a varietal that really you know it's mainly used for rootstock, but it's a piece of fruit too. You know, the tarange, you know, in the background of that, as far as the actual, um, you know what is the crossing and and you know what is the you know what are the different pieces that make up what a tarange is some of those varieties um you know we have uh you know a handful of trees that exist and honestly sure. um you know the the background of that is not very well known <laughs> sure they probably don't even have names yeah they're probably just numbered yeah, there's, and, there's uh, one navel variety on the ranch, Dan, and it's called the Lulu navel, and it was named after the original founder's uh, wife. And it was a limb sport on on a tree, on a navel, regular old line Washington navel, one of the original rootstocks, and it just had a super flavor pro profile that was sweeter than the rest. So that was uh, taken off and propagated, and now we actually have a crop that's called the Lulu navel. Well, I'll tell you, that Lulu navel is a mind blower because when I had Dan's Fresh Produce in Alameda, California, I used to get, like I was telling you prior, I used to get a lot of citrus from a guy who would bring it up to me from Porterville, either packed in banana boxes or bins, and he would bring me navel oranges that were grown on trees, he said, that were well over 100 years old. I put that on the sign. I cut them up for the customers to try. Everybody that tried them bought them and loved them. However, uh, and including me, and I'm not a big navel orange fan, but when those came to my store, I would eat them. Fast forward to the Lulu navel orange oranges that I bought. I bought some last year and I bought some this year. And this year I, I ate a lot more citrus than I did last year. Last year I was watching my fruit sugar intake or all sugar intake. And these Lulu navels are, are even more flavorful and sweeter than the hundred year old tree navels that I was selling in my store. So, and those were, were top notch, top of the line to me, as far as I was concerned. Now this Lulu navel beats that. I mean, folks, if you're in the area anywhere where you can get Buck brand citrus, man, I tell you, you've got to try this navel orange, even if you're not a orange fan. It'll blow your mind. Dan, the other one that's real interesting that we have on the ranch is the TDE uh, mandarin. Oh, and, uh, yes. 
that that one was a you know it's a mandarin that had been produced a little bit in the industry um you know there were some growers that planted it you know a decade or, or two ago um they were varieties that the university came out with uh, uc system came out with and and released and for numerous reasons they did not you know take off within the industry but the reasons weren't they're eating uh you know how well the fruit ate the reasons were you know, the, the trees have big thorns and they're difficult to pick. You know, there's some of those kind of things that caused it, you know, um, and the, sometimes the production can be a little bit difficult. And, and But the eating quality is amazing. So we have those on the ranch and a pretty good chunk of them that uh, we're able to get out and uh, have people enjoy just this incredible flavor of that the TDE mandarins. Yeah, the TDE is is amazing. This same guy brought me some one year that I was telling you about, packed in banana boxes. I you know, Everyone that tried them bought them. The thing is, is it just wasn't a very sexy sounding name to put on the sign, TDE, TDE. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the deal with that anyway? What is the deal with the name TDE? Is it just you never got named or that is the name? Yeah, it, it has uh, several varieties associated to it, the Tahoe, the Shasta, Yosemite. Okay. Um, but the TDE stands for Temple Dancy Encore, which is oh, parent. Sheesh. Yeah. Okay, so a, a Temple Orange, folks. Oh, gosh, I haven't heard that term in years. Yeah. Dancy, Tangerine. And uh, whatever else the Encore other one Mandarin, is, yeah. Encore Mandarin, which, folks, you you haven't seen an Encore Mandarin in the stores. Uh, I know I haven't. Okay, so there we go. Wow, I wish I had known that when I was selling them in my store, I would have put it on the sign. But hey, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it that varietal has its own intricacies and difficulties, like Scott was mentioning, the thorn thorny nature of the tree. It's it's worse than a rose bush. I mean, these thorns can extend up to an inch and it'll skewer yeah. you if you're not careful. But uh, what was interesting, what we've learned since, I mean, there really isn't another commercial planting that we're aware of here in the valley of this size and magnitude. But what we found is the, the sucker wood, which is a, a growth that generally comes from the base of the tree that you will clean out, actually grows fruit. And that, that fruit oh. isn't very edible. And so oh, you have to do okay. an extra manicuring of the ranch. So th these specialty citrus varieties, there's a reason why they're not planted at large scale. They're difficult to farm. Uh, and the consumers of it are, are just as passionate as we are about the farming of it. Well, sure. Absolutely. Because as I explained on uh, a previous podcast, that you're going to get some seeds in some of these varieties. And some of them are going to be loaded with seeds. But, you know, if you can deal with that, which... You know, I can't. I've been doing produce all my life. But if you can deal with that, you're going to have a really good, again, there's that word, eating experience mm -hmm. that you n would never have. I actually took the African Shattuck, or was it a, uh, I think it was actually not a blood pomelo. What's that? What's it called? Red? The Valentine? Uh, yeah, but it has the other name. Is it too. a Chandler? The red Flesh? I don't think it was a Chandler. Well, it was called Red. I thought it was one of yours. Okay. There's a Red Globe. That's more of a great Yes, though. Red Globe. There we go. Okay. Red red Globe pomelo. And uh, I made this citrus salad that I like to make with escarole and usually escarole grapefruit. And then you can throw in some uh, shaved uh, fennel, some avocado, a little sweet red onion, if you can find it, and just some grapefruit juice and olive oil, cracked black pepper. But I made that with the grapefruit, but then I made one with several varieties of citrus in it. And I was cutting up that pomelo and cutting the seeds out. You know, it was a little bit of a, a project, but boy, when it was done, it just really, really 
flavored that up. Yep. And and I guess uh, these are great for cocktails as well. They've got to be because we used to have bartenders coming in buying all, all the off-the-wall off citrus at my store. Well, and it's, it's rough because the, you know, some of these varietals, like you said, they, they take a little bit of work to enjoy them, right? And our, our society, our world is so snack-based anymore or, you know, eat on the go, that type of deal that you really, you have to get back to, you know, enjoying the, the, the fruit for what it is and, and taking the time to enjoy it. Um, yeah. And if you do that, it's a, it's a wonderful experience. And I do think there are, I know a number of my kids are, are very much into uh, enjoying a food, right? In a different way. Um, it's not just about, you know, what I can grab and put in the car, but let's have an exper- an eating experience for dinner Friday night, and we're going to do it ourselves. That's yeah. what we need to keep encouraging and growing, and uh, it's just, uh, it's enjoyable. Yeah, there's nothing like it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We've, uh, I think we've trained our consumers in a lot of ways to buy what we think they want, whether it's a red flesh or a, an unseated product. And we've had a, numerous tours up here in groups of people. And probably one of the most interesting takeaways from this one group we had of like 30 people from different re- small little regional retail stores. And their favorites were the, uh, were the white flesh grapefruit varietals, which, really? which are, it's like a dino, dinosaur in our industry. Yeah. And, and their takeaways, because they're, they're not buying with their eyes. And they're not buying what's necessarily being offered. They're buying with their mouse. And it's back to that flavor profile. It's like, wow, just listen, look at the profile of that and how, depth, how deep the citrus varietals are and the flavors are. And we don't necessarily do that. And you don't do that in your, in your normal hardware stores. That's true. The large supermarket varieties are uh, sweet, seedless, easy to peel. Yep. And, and then you're on your way. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors. When we come back, I'd like to explain to the folks how you can't just spit a seed out of your mouth, put it in the ground, and grow the exact same thing. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome to Equifruit, an importer and marketer of fresh bananas. Equifruit is committed to 100% fair trade, which means no crummy wages, super safe working conditions, and nothing but love for the ladies. Driving innovation through impossible to ignore merchandising, Equifruit is the only banana you should buy. Everyone, we have an APP out on a buck naked onion. This onion is produced by Owyhee Produce, so we have to be on the lookout. Whether you're a retailer, food service distributor, or a wholesaler, this onion is whole, it's hearted, and it's buck naked, everyone. To all you civilians out there, please, let's catch this buck naked onion. All right, folks, we're back with... Craig Morris and Scott Mabs from Homegrown Organics and Buck Citrus Varieties. And man, oh man, are we having a good time talking about the specialty citrus that you're not going to get in your average big supermarkets, but you will in... Actually, why don't we... I know we want to talk about the seeds real quick, but why don't we tell folks where uh, where some of these stores are that they can buy some of your citrus. You, see, you mentioned shipping some out of state. So are there specialty chains somewhere or are some of the large chains buying some yeah. of your larger volume? From? Yeah, these, these specialty varietals, they're, uh, they're, they're also very delicate. 
as we've experienced through the weather systems we've had this winter that are very difficult to grow and it's actually uh, hurt a lot of our crops this year. But because of that delicate nature, um, the shipability of the product isn't near as good as some of the other varietals. And so we have focused more so on the West Coast. We do some with the central markets though in Texas. Um, oh, yeah. And then you'll find some in your in your mom's markets out of uh, the thin Pennsylvania area. It really takes a retailer that understands how unique they are and how delicate they are to grow and difficult to grow. And the same thing from the uh, for the merchandising aspect. They, it's it's hands on. It can't be tra- treated as a hardware item. Right. It has to be taken care of. You want to buy what you know you can sell and quickly, more or less. You need to keep it turning, and because of that, you don't want to carry large inventories of the product. But are definitely the most of our exposure here is on the western western states. Uh, there's a lot up in Canada, primarily with uh, the thrifty stores out of BC, just an incredible supporter of the program. And then um, we use a distributor of the Northwest because there's been a long, long relationship with organically grown company out of Portland. Mm. And they sure. they they kind of handle the Northwest states here for it from a distribution model because you don't bring it in truckloads uh, to take pallets of this product into any one store that can merchandise them correctly. doesn't doesn't work. You need to ship into a distribution center that can handle large volumes and distribute it in in a manner that's correct for those different uh, community type stores. PCC is a wonderful uh, outlet in the Northwest. We do a lot in the Bay Area as well. Scott, any other ideas? What were you? Yeah, no that 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 covers a lot of it. I mean, it's it's definitely your 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 smaller chains and your. Uh, it's like you said, Dan. You were you were you know enjoying it at Berkeley Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those types of stores are the the ones that are enjoying the you know being able to offer this to their consumers. You know, on the retail end, you, you got to cut these different varieties and let the customers try it out. You gain sales that way. I mean, I did that a lot when I had my store. Whenever I did that, people would buy sometimes bags full. And I always do state that independent markets, you're going to find more variety you're going to find more oddball items niche items as well that you won't get in the large chains and nothing against large chains at all it's just that they don't have that kind of flexibility and then obviously you don't have the the volume to put it into those stores as well that's a really key point dennis that education process i mean scott and i like i mentioned we've been doing this a, a lot longer than we'd like to admit and there's some varieties we were we were surprised to come across up there. It's like, wow, I didn't know this was available. And here we are in the in the breadbasket of citrus land. Yeah, it just goes to show. I worked at a nursery for uh, several years, and we had a uh, varietal test block, um, which we had you know a hundred varieties out there of different items. So it's not like. I I know citrus. I know, you know, a lot of varieties. And like Craig said, I got up there and I'm like, oh, I've never seen this one before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if we don't know it, about how it, would though, the right? consumer know it, you know? Yeah. But but that's fresh produce too. I yes. mean, look, 47 years in this business and I still learn something new every day. Yeah. That's what I love about it, you know? And that leads me to this question. Uh, well, I have two. One will... We'll, the, the seed thing that I mentioned before the break, but also, so Scott, are you the one that has chosen these specific varieties? Are you the one that have says, who said, well, I think an African shaddock would be a great item or uh, the Miwa kumquat is yeah, the so item when, when that we want to grow. When this uh, ranch was originally planted, um, it was planted by the original owner, right? And, and so 
the lot of the varieties were from you know that time which would have been you know 30 years ago you know 20 30 years ago a lot of the varieties that were there um, were originally there what we've done in the last you know four or five years is we begin to um, some varieties honestly we have had to take some out um, because oh. um, either it's just it's just not what even the specialty consumer has wanted to enjoy at all uh, maybe it's a it's a variety that honestly just doesn't taste good or doesn't eat well yeah. um, at all, uh, you know. And so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> some of those varieties right. we have removed and we've been planting new ones. Um, we've been planting new new varietals that um, are, you know, what we think are up and coming or that have a little bit more demand where we could use some more, you know, trees, uh, some more production because the demand is always just way too much. Um, and uh, like we we planted some additional uh, cocktail grapefruit because mm, it's just okay. such a an incredible eating piece of fruit, something that you know we know consumers are 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 very much interested in. Yeah, and it's a fairly recent variety too, of the past twenty or twenty mm -hmm. thirty years, right? That that's the cocktail grapefruit. What the eighties, I think maybe. Would you say planting? You're obviously using rootstock, folks. When you bite into one of these pieces of fruit and you get some seeds in your mouth and you spit them out in your hand if you plant that in the ground you just might not get the same variety that you were eating so scott why don't you explain to the folks yeah the, how that the, works. the um, raising uh, items you know when we actually want to have a true to type is what we call it so it's a it's a way to make sure that you've got the same exact variety that is taken from graft uh, cuttings from those trees. Uh, so, and there's a lot of rules associated to that to make sure that things are done properly in the industry and we don't create problems uh, from a disease standpoint, those types of things. But when you, uh, when you take cuttings from the trees, you are guaranteed a more true to type reproduction of, you know, the same variety. And those cuttings are applied to a, um, a rootstock. And the rootstock is actually raised from seed. Uh, so um, the rootstock, uh, you you have uh, rootstock orchards, um, but you don't need very many of them, but that you actually harvest the fruit at full maturity and you take that fruit and you pull the seed out of that fruit. There's a whole process of doing that. I mean, you take the seed and then you raise that rootstock. And the rootstock is, the purpose of that is we have certain, um, types of citrus that can handle a lot of the disease pressures that you have to deal with if you're you're living in the ground uh you know for 20 years and and a lot of that's based in a disease called phytophthora which is a plant disease where a lot of times from wet ground it, it tends to make it make it worse and it will begin to kill your tree um, and so you 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 have to have um, rootstocks that are are resistant against those types of diseases. If you were to raise a seed of, let's say, an African shaddock, since we've been talking about that, that tree may not survive real well. It may have problems as it grows over the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah, nothing worse than a problem tree. Yeah. And this is all organic fruit too, so you know you're not able to deal with a lot of 
synthetic chemicals and things that some of the conventional growers have the luxury of using. So it's got to be even, I guess, more careful or more more attentive steps in this process for organics. Or is it easier? Maybe it's easier. Who knows? Oh, that, for sure not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's nothing easy okay. about organics. And that's from the marketing aspect to the cultural aspect of organic, there's nothing simple. And it all comes down to there, there is no quick fix. We are marketing and we are farming years in advance. And you have to be because of, like you mentioned, the synthetic aspects, when you can put those through your systems immediately and get immediate results, we're farm, we're looking for results at one, two, and three years. And if you don't have that forethought and that proactiveness, uh, you will fail without a doubt. Well, and, and to give you an example, I mean, we, we dealt with some incredible rain this winter, which we are very thankful for, uh, but we had sure. about five weeks of where we couldn't pick because it was just raining all the time and it got wet and it was the fruit was constantly wet. And one of the issues that we have is we don't have what in the conventional industry, they put fungicides on their fruit. We have some tools that we can use that are natural tools, but we don't have very many. And it's great, but because of that, we end up, uh, you know, we lost a significant amount of our crop this year because the fruit just fell apart, deteriorated because it couldn't handle being that wet for that long. That's that black mold that grows around the shoulder towards the stem yep, that, uh, that we see a lot in Satsumas, I would say, but I guess in other varieties too. Wow, that's a tough gig. Well, I hopefully a lot of that water absorbed into the ground because I know a lot of folks a few years ago were pulling a lot of groundwater out because you couldn't get the water. Yeah. And that was causing problems as well. So hopefully uh, that's been replenished. So right now, it's the 24th of February. What are the two main citrus items right now that are really big for people to look for in the stores from Buck Brand Citrus? Yeah, it would be uh, definitely the TDE variety. The navel oranges, the Lulu navels, uh, the heirloom navels, more of those. uh, And, of course, some of the pumelos and lemons. More and grapefruit varietals. So more of the hardware items. And I think Scott uh, called out, you know, the weather we received was much needed, desperately needed. And we're so grateful for it. Uh, What we did find as with a lot of those specialty varieties, which our peak season for the Buck Brand Specialties is really in December through January and early February. Well, we're pretty much past that. And uh, we probably lost, I don't think, probably... uh, Oh, at least 50% of those specialty items. Ooh, they just didn't, man. they didn't weather the storm. And that's another reason why they aren't farmed on a commercial scale. They just don't have the legs to manage the weather like that. Uh, the ones that did fare much better are more the hardware varietals, uh, which would be the navel grapefruit parentage. And the tarange, what, uh, the tarange lemon, are we going to? Those did fine. Is that one that, are those in the stores now? Yes, they are. Okay, I'm going to go look for them then. I'm going this weekend. I'm going to go get myself some Tarangas and some TDEs. I haven't had the TDE in a long time. We talked about the Lulu navel, but the ranch has a, a fair amount of what we call heirloom navels, which is, I think if anyone can call an heirloom navel, Buck Brand Citrus can, because when you actually trace the the um, uh, when those were planted and from what budwood it came, uh, we have paperwork that showed that it comes from the original parent navel tree out of Riverside, California. Wow. Yeah. So that is great. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty special block up there and uh, we're uh, it, it's always uh, 
the history there, you know, regarding, uh, I don't know, you've probably gone over this before, but Mrs. Tibbetts and the original Riverside, uh, you know, planting of the original navel tree down in Riverside, California, you know, all the history that's uh, now associated to that. It's pretty incredible. Buck Brand Citrus, the Garden of Eden of Citrus, folks. Wow, that's great. Way back to the original tree. I'm I'm blown away. Now, when I bite into one of those Lulu Naval oranges, I am going to concentrate on tasting the first tree. <laughs> what do you think of that? Look, we taste the sunshine. We taste the the ground. We taste the environment. We taste the love and the hard work that goes into it. I mean, at least I do. I don't know if other people experience produce that way. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I do. And now, all right, I can throw in the original tree as well. That's amazing. Craig Morris and Scott Mabs, Homegrown Organics, Buck Brand Citrus, thank you so much for joining us today on Fresh from the Field Fridays. Thank you, Dan. Hey, folks, be sure to tune in to the Produce Industry Podcast every Monday with Patrick Kelly as well as the Produce Industry Show on YouTube and the Produce Industry app. You gotta have that. Download that now on your smartwatch, on your phone, on your tablet, and whatever else you can download an app onto. It's a great resource. Also, don't forget to check out my YouTube and Rumble channels called Dan the Produce Man. And all my social media can be found at DanTheProduceMan.com. Until next week, this is Dan the Produce Man reminding you that it's always best when you get it fresh. You've been listening to Fresh from the Field Fridays with Dan, the produce man. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast and at Dan, the produce man. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.